Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. to go on Wes and Walker Sports Radio 927 WFNZ Flounder came in here doing the whole what's for lunch thing at 1 o'clock looks like Jersey Mike's is on the menu today but he also gave us a disturbing word that apparently Mac is using anytime someone hates on your opinion I didn't hear this but apparently Mac now calls that very scenario someone taking a pooparooski on your take is that a real thing? So how does Matt get through a four-hour show? Because all of his takes are, quote, pooparooski. <laughs> Flounder asked if we were going to start using that. And I have never seen Wes so disgusted with that word before. <laughs> he said, get that all the way out of here. I don't want to mention that at all. And you're not going to be calling it that ever, Wes? Yeah, no, man. I don't want to hear that. I have to think about that during a, you know, nah. <laughs> what what's funny about this too is Fitty gets mad at us and really me he calls me out for being clean like I'm too holier than thou because I'm so clean and it's not necessarily the same thing for Fitty. Oh, 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 all right, hold on one second, hold on one second, hold on one second, everybody, calm down. What happened is Fitty saw something on his phone and started going absolutely crazy. Oh wow, he, crazy! I mean, like he's really excited. I'm holding him back. Let's hear it, Fitty. What's the breaking news? Dre Bly's been uh, been let go as a member of UNC's coaching staff. Oh my god! Are you serious? Yes, I have wanted this for two years. I thought we got like a head coach naming for the Panthers or something. I mean, it 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 looked like you won the lottery. I did because now we can hire an actual Power Five position coach. What does it say? If the two most excited situations I've ever seen you a part of is Aaron Rodgers losing a playoff game and Dre Bly losing his job. What does that say about you? Finn? That I'm a bad human being because I like seeing people that underperform like Dre <laughs> Bly or wreck my team's heart like Aaron Rodgers and the Cowboys fail. Then I, I will wear that with a badge of honor. <laughs> I, this is this just made up for the four game losing streak to, to end the season. Because he was a big reason why they couldn't beat Georgia Tech. A defensive back firing. Yes. Okay. Because he can't coach. Okay. All right. For four years, I have watched my defensive backs <laughs> not be able to turn their backs and make plays on the ball. You're damn right I'm excited. But all the DBs do this, though, man. I was pointing that out to you during the bowl game that it was team guys from other schools. That's a That's been a problem with DBs in this era. There is no shutdown corner. Everywhere. I've seen coaches, high school coaches on Twitter talking about this issue. DB's not turning around for the ball. I'm sorry the way I sold that to everyone. It's my own fault, really, because 704 number wrote in, damn, man, I thought y'all were going to announce that Wilkes got the job. Nope. We announced that Dre Bly doesn't have the job. (laughs) And I have not seen him more excited. It's, It's the biggest reaction I've ever seen. From Fitty. So TC said, Fitty, great news. Dre Bly taught horrible technique to the DBs. So at least TC is one that agrees with you. People you're not, you're be not killing me, it. though, when they say that. How do you know this? Mm-hmm. Okay, because if it's not coaching, then what is it? 
Is it just stupidity by players on the field? I would imagine got to be so. held responsible. Yeah, I mean, I get that. But when people start saying stuff like that, it's like, dude, this guy was one of the greatest defensive backs in college football Don't history. He can coach. You don't think that he's telling these guys to do these things? Okay, so, so it's either they're, he's telling them to not do it, which and then they're not being held accountable, which is a whole other problem. That's been the biggest problem with Mac Brown since he came back. Uh, 980 number wrote in. Worst breaking news the station has had in a while. I even got excited once I heard the sound. Like, hey, what's going to happen, especially in the week? Right, that all the stuff we got going on that could happen. <laughs> but, but there are some Tar Heel fans that are, are extremely happy. Amit wrote in, hey, preach, Fitty. Love Dre as a cheerleader and a recruiter, but he can't coach. Put him on a strict recruiting role. Um, 704 number wrote in. Fitty is full of it. Bly was our best recruiter. He was, quote, all caps, not the problem with our defense. So maybe we save a Dre Bly segment later on. We got to get <laughs> to the coaching profile after the breaking news. But if you didn't hear it at the beginning, Fitty got excited because the breaking news came in that Dre Bly was let go as the defensive backs coach for the North Carolina Tar Heels. Let's get down to our first coaching profile. We're going to be doing this throughout the week and maybe as long as this job stays open, whoever gets that permanent head coaching gig with the Carolina Panthers. Among all of the names, one of them is Shane Steichen West, the offensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles. Mm-hmm. Shane Steichen, a bright offensive mind. I went over some of the stats yesterday, and we can have a breakdown here where he was the interim offensive coordinator in 2019. He was the offensive coordinator outright in 2020 that helped develop Justin Herbert having what was an excellent first season for him in the NFL. He goes to the Philadelphia Eagles. He's been the OC for them a couple of years in a row. And if you look at some of the success that he's had with Philadelphia, they're number one in DVOA, which kind of accounts for all the luck adjusted stats. Number one in rushing offense, kind of sticking with the identity here in Carolina, but you also have the big playability. 23rd in pass attempts this season with Jalen Hurts at quarterback with a couple of games of Gardner Minshew sprinkled in there, but nine in total yards passing when you're looking at this offense, right? Attempts, 23, nine total yards, third in interception. So what he's been a part of has been a passing offense that when they take their shots, they don't turn it over. I really like the offensive mind of Shane Steichen. And I really like the fact that he's had success with a Chargers offense and an Eagles offense to boot. Yeah. I mean, in this first year with the Eagles, Philly was, you know, they were first in the NFL and they had franchise records and rushing yards and rushing touchdowns. But the thing too, you look at is that they also led the league in explosive plays and ranked fourth in uh, third downs, but really the explosive plays things, 163 to be exact. That's what you're looking at for him, and I think that's his calling card right there is an offense that does run the ball, but they're explosive while doing it, which means you know they're creating matchups in the passing game, and they're also dictating the coverage of the defense because they can run the ball so well. Uh, you know, I think Jalen Hurts has definitely his emergence has helped them a lot uh, with that as mm-hmm. far as just him being that that 11th guy on the field that you have to account for. You know what I'm saying? When he's running the ball. And so you look at that offensive ranks this year, they're fifth in the run, ninth in the pass, third in total offense, third in points, and sixth in yards per play. So, you know, the Eagles do have quite the explosive offense. It's just the thing with guys like that. And my my thing with him is that, you know, he's doing this with a guy like Jalen Hurts that's been very dynamic. It's like, can he get a quarterback like that? 
to be able to put up those type of numbers and have that type of explosion. So for me, too, I mean, I, I just like the fact that he's worked with two young quarterbacks in Justin Herbert and Jalen Hurts. And you could argue that they were already going to be established, but you didn't have Jalen Hurts playing like this last year in Shane Steichen's first season, but you did see the improvement. And then the next season, the guy's an MVP candidate before he gets hurt. And he plays with an offense that led the league in explosive plays. And they were number one in rushing offense. I mean, Shane Steichen, what he's done this season has been absolutely remarkable from a play calling standpoint. It's exactly what you want to see. And while Jack might write into the text line, I would argue he's coached the two most talented offenses in the league. Yeah, you have personnel to work with. But what I don't want to do, and it happens so often, Wes, when we start to break down and evaluate why this offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator should not get the job despite excellent numbers is because they have so many talented pieces. But if you have the talented pieces, then what better can you do than getting to the number one rushing offense the last couple of years? Traditional last year, DBOA this season, you literally can't ask for something better than that. And then to have a top 10 passing offense when it comes to total yardage on top of that, with the two wide receivers that you have on the outside, you turn Jalen Hurts into a guy that isn't turning the ball over. You're also utilizing his skill set. You're adapting your offense to working what works best for him. And so I would be, look, Steve Wilkes has done an excellent job and he has earned it. I'm here for a Steve Wilkes head coaching job. But it doesn't mean I would hate a Shane Steichen opportunity either because of what he's accomplished with the Eagles calling their offensive plays and even with the Chargers a couple of years back. Yeah, so, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what direction they want to go. This guy has a great resume, no doubt about it. And it's going to be also, you know, what's going to be their plan. You know, we put in the rundown what that means. Anthony Richardson would be a lock for the Panthers if they draft him because he does have – uh, you know, a background at the University of Florida. Shane Steichen. Yes, yeah, Shane Steichen does. So it's like, you know, and he should be familiar with him as well. So is that going to lend itself to that as well? Because you would think that the way that he's running this offense, RPO style, uh, things of that nature, does he want a quarterback that's going to be able to do a lot of the things that Jalen Hurts can do? Anthony Richardson is the guy, when you look at all these first-round quarterbacks or guys that could potentially go in the first round and he's the guy that would most mm-hmm. closely uh resemble Jalen compare himself to a Jalen Hurts. The, the thing is I think Steichen if he takes over would be adaptable to whatever quarterback you select and you do have some mobility maybe outside of CJ Stroud he's the one guy that you don't see a lot of mobility from you certainly have it with Bryce Young Carolina would have to trade up to go get Bryce Young. I don't think that's going to happen. Nine is way too low for them to have that shot. C.J. Stroud is interesting. If you pay attention to some of the mock drafts, you can see him falling to seven, maybe even nine in some respects, and maybe he falls low enough for Carolina to put together a trade package to go up and get him, not at three, maybe not at four, but if he falls even lower than that, have a long time to go. But if that happens, then maybe... Shane Steichen could deal with C.J. Stroud even without that mobility. But Will Levis has some mobility. So I wondered if you would work with him. And then, of course, you bring up an Anthony Richardson and even a Hendon Hooker. If that's somebody that you roll with, second, third round, that kind of style. I think that he can adapt, especially with working with Justin Herbert, who can run but is more of a pocket passing quarterback. I think that he can adapt to whatever young QB you might go at. Yeah, and that's my mistake. I was thinking about Brian Johnson. 
That's the guy ben on the Johnson. Eagle staff. No, Brian Johnson oh. is the guy on the Eagle staff gotcha. that was he was talked about as well. He's the guy that's connected with the University of Florida. Gotcha. Uh, but like I said, Steichen, explosive plays, a lot of things on the resume. But again, people will say that though. People are going to bring up the fact that that offense is stacked. You know, you got arguably the best offensive line in football. I, I would say yes, you do. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of people that's going to say, well, yeah, it's easy to look great, you know, when you do that. But I don't think that should be held against him. I, I think you just have to look at play design, what he's able to do. I agree. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, at, at, at some point, it, there's only one specific alley you can look in if you're going to use that against Steichen, right? It's the fact that who is an offensive mind that went crazy this year, had a whole bunch of production with absolutely zero talent. Because if we're looking at Ben Johnson, who people are a, a real fan of too, their offensive line was awesome this season. Their rushing attack was very good. They have Amon Ross St. Brown, who was the second greatest receiver in pro football focus. Yeah. And Jared Goff, I think that's a great success story and a point for Ben Johnson. And Shane Steichen overall has more talent than the Lions, for sure. But also... Vastly more. Receivers, I mean, I guess vastly... Yeah. Yeah. Miles Sanders is seems a pretty a strong. good running back. I mean, he's looked at as a pro Bowl caliber. I think Miles Sanders... Yeah, to the Pro Bowl. Yeah, I mean, uh, you is got, he? Yeah, maybe you have uh, AJ. But your boy Jamal Jamal Williams made top ten in that game, right? Like, yeah, for sure. That's what I'm saying. Jamal Williams is back. back in Lions history. But him 100%. coming in, nobody was like, "Oh, Jamal Williams is going to make the Detroit Lions a contender or nothing like that." So that's yeah. what I'm saying. I feel like his personnel. Yeah, he's got St. Brown, but it's not like St. Brown was first round pedigree, and then the rest of the guys around him are complimentary players. Oh, he doesn't St. have a because Devontae Smith and AJ Brown are two one. That's two ones. Well, and St. Brown, I would argue, is a one. No, he's a one, but I'm saying the Eagles have two ones. Yeah, no, for sure. The Lions are St. Brown, who's mostly a slot guy, and complimentary guys around him. They don't have, like, studs. Like, Devontae, A.J. Brown, both studs. Their offensive line is the best in football. Miles Sanders is a stud running back, and he's got Jalen Hurts. Well, we know how you feel about running back. I I would love to know what it takes for Walker Mill to call a running back a stud because the guys that you don't give credit to, I don't know what it takes. Jamal Williams has 17 touchdowns. Alvin Kamara had coming into last no, week almost 1,400 stud, yards. But then you said like he's been he like, like down. And a, this year he hasn't performed as well as he had if in If you past. look at his numbers, his rushing numbers are about on par as far as total yards. But his efficiency like isn't, which matters, and we know that. But you, it's like you for you, man, a running back, you got to be like, no, my, Adrian Peterson, Miles MVP. Really good. Man, no, Miles my, has had an excellent year. You're right about that. I, I can back off I'll of that. I'll give Miles. you a hard time. But no, he, oh, no, I get it. He, he's, uh, so that's what I'm saying. The Eagles, they have studs all around. I feel like Ben Johnson does more, more with much less. Yeah, well, we'll get to him. We'll have another coaching profile of Ben Johnson coming up at 2 o'clock. Does Ben Johnson's offensive creativity make him a must-have for the Panthers at head coach? Again, that's coming up at 2 o'clock. But coming up next, we'll go back to college football, the way-too-early college football top 25. Where does North Carolina, Alabama, Florida State, Clemson, where do all of the powerhouses in the ACC schools rank? We'll get to that coming up on Wes and Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 FM. The 
way too early college football top 25, the early ACC predictions. We got it for you right here, and you can write in yourself your thoughts and comments. The Garage Door Guru text line, 704-570-9610. Fitty, does firing Dre Bly justify North Carolina being ranked 21 in the too early top 25? I'm going to tell you, I think that's just too low. I mean, this might be you got the maybe the second best quarterback in the country. You're going to have an adequate corners back coach, maybe an adequate defensive <laughs> line coach. If they move on from Tim Cross, you may have a playoff contender up there in Chapel Hill. All right. We're already off and rolling with some North Carolina expectations after everyone said they were overrated at number 10 two years ago. Even Mac Brown, weirdly enough, said that they were overrated when they were ranked number 10 two years ago. Will this be justified? We'll find out. Let's start with, I guess, the first couple of teams that we have here on this list here, Wes, because you have Georgia just coming off of a back-to-back championship appearance and a title in each of those appearances. Now we'll ask if they can three-peat. We talked about this a little bit yesterday, but do you think that the chances are good for them, especially with people making a big deal about their bad schedule? I know you saw that yesterday. The non-conference is absolutely nothing for them. How much is that going to help them get back to the playoff and maybe even 3P? It's going to help them a lot. Can they 3P? Yes. Will they? I don't think so, but I also didn't think they would go back-to-back. But when you look at Georgia, the main thing for me is losing Stetson Bennett the fourth. Uh, To me, it's going to be hard. As I said yesterday, I think he is a Pantheon-level quarterback. So to lose a guy like that, we know they lost a lot of defensive players last year and they just reloaded. But to lose a quarterback that was so integral to your run, that's going to be interesting with a new starter. You don't know how he's going to react to these pressure-packed games because they are going to play some games in the SEC. But even their SEC schedule isn't that much unless Florida really makes a lot of improvements. Their marquee game next season is near the end of the season before they play Georgia Tech as they will take on Tennessee. Let's talk top five before we dive into the depths of the ACC and the schools that are ranked in the top 25. So it is Georgia number one. Number Mm -hmm. two is Ohio State. Michigan comes in at number three. Florida State, first ACC team reference. They come in at number four, which is a surprise. We can get to that in just a moment. But it's Alabama at number five. I don't know about you, but Alabama coming in at number five. Yes, it speaks to the expectation you constantly have about this program coming in, but it feels weird to have them at the very bottom of a top five list going into one season. Is that the thing that stuck out to you, or is it the Seminoles getting oh, number four? Oh, it's clearly Florida State being number four. I mean, the overreaction to the end of that season has just been outrageous. They beat five mediocre to patsies down the stretch, and now everybody thinks that uh, the, the spirit of Bobby Bowden is back at that field, and they're going to go back to what they were in the 90s when I was a huge fan of them. Clearly taken aback by Florida State coming in at number four. I'm a big fan of what Mike Norvell has done. I think Jordan Travis is going to be a guy that will be a sleeper to win the Heisman Trophy next year. When you see Bama at five, is this the new normal for where Bama is now in the modern era with Georgia now maybe the you know the preeminent program in the country. Ohio State and Michigan are two very very not not they're great programs now. Clemson's still in the mix. USC with Lincoln Riley. Like maybe we shouldn't be taken aback by this because so many great programs have caught up to Alabama. I still am and 
I think to call it the new normal is a little strong, even though I understand a lot of other programs are starting to reach the top, and especially Georgia with what they've accomplished. But at the end of the day, they lose to six-ranked Tennessee at the time by three points off of two excellent plays made by Hendon Hooker, and they lose by one point on the road to LSU. Very talented football team. LSU maybe not finishing as strong, but LSU still only losing by a combined four points two times, and then you even do get up um, for the bowl game as well. I think Alabama is is still going to be a huge threat, even if I'm a little surprised to see that. But I would agree with you for the most part. Florida State coming in at number four, very surprised. Much more to the effect of us asking, is Florida State back? We always try to do this with the U. Is the U back? I mean, we did this all the time with Florida State. Hey, once they figure out their offensive line problems, Jimbo Fisher leaves, and then you try to get back to the promised land that saw them win a championship with Jameis Winston and company. But it had been some dark times. Like, they were really bad for a while. And to come in with a top-four ranking, that that is pretty remarkable to see, and we'll see if they can live up to it. Wes, I want to ask you this specifically. You grew up a Florida State fan. Now that the expectations are back, how much pressure is there now on Norvell to deliver with Deion Sanders at a Power 5 job? And let's just say if he takes Colorado to a bowl game or whatever, how much does that up the pressure for Mike Norvell to get that program back to championship caliber? I think it ups it a lot because Norvell, you know, coming into next season, as you said, the expectations are going to be high. These fans, I can tell from videos we're releasing on the ACCDN on all platforms. We put out a Jordan Travis season highlights video. We had almost 10,000 views in two days, and the comments that the fans were saying were just outrageous. They were talking on Heisman, and they're going to be doing this and doing that. So I think the pressure on them is high, especially with Dion coming in. We've seen at Jackson State, we've seen in Colorado, the attraction recruits have to him already. If he came back to his alma mater, it would just be off the chain. But just Florida State, as I said, after they lost to Clemson and NC State, the two ranked teams that they play, and my Demon Deeks, a three-game losing streak, they beat Georgia Tech, Miami, Syracuse, Louisiana, Florida, and Oklahoma, who I said me and my mom could get 21 points on them. <laughs> and in that Florida game, a mediocre Florida Gators defense, he went 13 of 30. So that's why I said Florida State, I'm not buying them at all. So it doesn't sound like you're going to be all that high on the ACC and playoff contention this year. If you think Florida State is highly overranked at number four, I know you're not the biggest fan of Cade Klubnick and Clemson Mm -hmm. getting a 15 ranking. As shocking to me, the opposite way with Florida State getting the number four ranking, even with Clemson understandably maybe not having the same type of talent as the Wilkins-Lawrence era on the defensive line, Trevor Mm -hmm. Lawrence, right? We get the talent pool they've come up with before. But Clemson at number 15, pretty low considering the standard they've reached the last couple of seasons. Yeah, and I mean, I looked at all the different sites and the ones that they have. So, like, for Florida State, Fox Sports had them 14. Athlon had them 6. Clemson was 15 in ESPN. Fox Sports had them 10. Athlon had them 13. But, yeah, no, I think it is speaking to the state of Clemson football right now. Uh, when you look at that defense last year, who many people thought was going to be vaunted, they were good. But, like, Sam Hartman lit them up at Wake Forest. The pass rush, it was good, but not what it's been in the past. And the defensive backs were not very good at all and got exposed several times. Then, as I said, K. Klubnick, I do not think he is what others think he will be. The talent at wide receiver is just lacking, in my opinion. Will Shipley is the guy on that offense. And so for this Clemson football team, I think, and that 15, 10 to 15 range is about right for them. It's going to be a lot of new faces on that defense. And as I said, 
the a lot of people pointed to the coordinators that he hired last year staying in-house after losing Brett Venables, after losing Tony Elliott. And I think that had more of an effect on things than people want to let on as well, especially on the defensive side. They were disruptive, but not as disruptive as they were under Venables. But yes, I think uh, Clemson not being in the top five which is something that we've seen as a mainstay over the last six, seven seasons, is definitely glaring. Well, Wes, do you think the ACC has a worse year, worse year this year than, or this coming season, I should say, mm-hmm. than what we just watched? Because, you know, not high on Florida State. You think Clemson's probably appropriately ranked, and we've heard your views on Cade Klubnick. Even with North Carolina, I know you're a fan of Drake May. We joke about him dropping to second in the power rankings, but yes. I know North Carolina, it's not anything that you can bank on, like, especially after the start that they had and then the complete falter in the last month of the college football season. No way you can have confidence in that team being there at the end. Is this a worse year for the ACC coming? Uh, well, with Carolina, I do – I feel – pretty good about them because I think that they were ahead of schedule last year. I think some of the guys they lost were addition by subtraction. I think with Drake May, you know, you're going to be in contention with the way he can play. Now, we'll see. The interesting thing is he going to be the Drake May from the first eight games. That's going to be vital to their success. So I'm banking on that as of right now because if we want to look at, you know, my way too early ACC predictions as far as just the top five, I've got Clemson at one because I still think Clemson has enough to win the league. But I have Duke number two finishing nine and four. The performance they had, tons of guys coming back. I got Carolina three and Florida State four with Pitt following up at five. Do you agree with those rankings and how high are you? I know you said Carolina could be competing for a playoff spot. <laughs> can, we, can we get the real Fitty to please stand up and give his evaluation compared to some of these other ACC schools? I would probably go Clemson one. I'm a much more of a believer in Jordan Travis and Mike Norvell than Wes is. I'd slide them in at two. I know wait, I know Duke finished better than Carolina finished. Drake May's a better quarterback than Riley Leonard. So I'd go Carolina three, Duke four, and I'd have NC State five. I mean, the job that Dave Doran did this year juggling four different quarterbacks and, and an inconsistent offense at that, you get a guy in Brennan Armstrong reunited with an offensive coordinator that he's had a lot of success with. I think State's going to be a solid, a good football team again in 2023. I know it sounds weird to say this about NC State, but has Dave Doran done enough with that program to have earned the benefit of the doubt? Because it's not something that you should give NC State on any different game situation because of the way that they'll lose some of the games they're supposed to, right? I mean, that's NC Stating is a thing. We, we know how that goes when you're talking about going up against a team you should beat. Just stating and, that for you. And just when you have all the confidence in the world, it's when they upset you the most. But overall, Fiddy, there's a reason you gave me a stank face. It's because overall, usually they finish pretty well. Should we give State the benefit of the doubt, especially with the pairing of old OC with two-year-ago Brennan Armstrong having some of the best numbers in the nation? Well, I think it was admirable what NC State did this year, especially with the injuries at quarterback, and that defense was good. But they're going to lose a lot of faces off of that defense. Brandon Armstrong could come in, but like I said, he's not going to have a Dontavian Wicks. He's not going to have a Keaton Thompson at NC State. Uh, so I don't know that he's going to come in there. I don't think he's going to come in there and be close to what he uh, once did production-wise. Until NC State gets an explosive offense, like I said, I trust Pitt and Pat Narduzzi. The defense and the pass rush that they bring to the table, Izzy Abanacan to be back. Now, Jerkovic coming in at quarterback, I, that's, that's dicey to say the least. 
But if they can get some decent quarterback play, I trust Pitt a little bit more than I trust NC State. Fair enough. But with NC State, I think part of the reason that so many people were on them at the beginning of the season was because of their belief in Devin Leary. Now, right. you didn't have that. Nope. And you were proven right. Even when Devin Leary was playing, it's not like he was lighting up the field because he did lose a couple of big-time weapons and the offensive line lost a couple of guys as well. And maybe Brennan Armstrong doesn't need to be the over 5,000 yards of offense type of guy that he was two years ago. Can you just be better than what Devin Leary was last year? And I do have quite a bit of confidence in that, despite some of my love for Devin Leary coming in. Do you feel that maybe Brennan Armstrong can find that happy medium? Let's split the difference. Let's find the production rushing in passing from two years ago to what it was last year, first season under Tony Elliott. If you can get that type of season reuniting with an old OC, then I think for me, that has to propel NC State up a little bit more and kind of go in favor with what you expected last season if, of course, everybody stays healthy. Uh, You're not feeling it? No, he could. I mean, like I said, he plays a very wide-open style as far as what Brendan Armstrong likes to do when he's at his best. And when you look at the year that he had when he was so productive, you know, he was dropping back, throwing it up for wicks. Guys were open down the field. And he had guys, you know, that were good catch and run. But the main thing was, you know, he was a gunslinger. Uh, He was just throwing the ball down the field. Guys were making plays. I don't think he has that at NC State in that receiving core. Finally, Fiddy, you just wanted to mention one other thing about State. What do you think about Brennan Armstrong just giving us a happy medium type season? I that That's the thing with me. Devin Leary was not the guy I expected. He was not as good, even with some of the other weapons that were uh, missing from him. I think he can propel NC State up to something that uh, we expected last year. My stank face wasn't that Dave Doran doesn't need the benefit of the doubt. Dave Doran's built what NC State is. Like Maybe in the expanded playoff they get there. But this is what this is the best that and and th- that's okay because you know year in year out you're gonna win eight or nine games have a chance to play in a pretty good bowl game and and maybe get a double digit win season that's all NC State fans should ask for for a program that lacks tradition that lacks success in a state that does still get dominated by Clemson and Georgia on the recruiting trail and so I don't think he needs the benefit of the doubt I think he has done a really good job. Out of job is a very tough place to win as consistently as he has. That's the way too early college football top 25, breaking down some of the ACC teams that were listed in that top 25 list. Coming up next, we've done it before. We'll play again. It's deal or no deal with the Hornets having just gone over now the midway point. We know that the trade deadline is about a month away. We have it coming up at February 9th. That's the trade deadline. We've often speculated that the Charlotte Hornets are going to be sellers at the deadline, and so I have a few trade deals that I'm going to pose to Wes Bryant, Josh Fiddy Marlowe, and they'll tell me if they have a deal or if we have no deal. That's coming up in just a moment, not before the second Fiddy Flash of the day. What you got for us this time, Fiddy? Mm, oh, okay. that's the wrong music. That's deal or no deal right now. That We're just is, off and rolling. Yeah. <laughs> um... Wes, you sent this to the group chat earlier in the show, but more news out of the the world of wrestling as Stephanie McMahon, the daughter of Vince McMahon, she has resigned from WWE as their CEO. And I've seen a couple texts come in on the text line, and you know more about this. There are rumors that WWE is going overseas to Saudi Arabia. 
What is Saudi Arabian buyers that are uh, trying to purchase the WWE? But with Vince McMahon coming back in, I think it's just been a lot for Stephanie. She doesn't have much of a role uh, at this point with everything that's going on. So she just stepped out. But she's been such a big part of the WWE universe for so long that, you know, that was big news yesterday. I have nothing to contribute to this conversation. <laughs> I, all I want is Wes Bryant to be an announcer in WWE, and whoever is allowing that to happen is what I'm going to be a fan of. Well, okay. you could contribute by allowing me to throw you through a table and Wes announces it. That's not going to happen. If you want it to that be the other be way right. around, then I'll be a part of that as well. If I agree to let you throw me through a table, would you let me throw you through a table? Think of social content. It's an interesting proposition because I'm going to get mad if I let, even if I have agreed to it, I'm going to get mad at you throwing me through a table. (laughs) We'll discuss it during the break. We'll come up with a decision. Also have deal or no deal coming up next. Sports Radio 92.7 FM. Speaking of the Panthers coaching search, we'll have another profile. We already did one on Shane Steichen, the Eagles OC, coming up in just a moment. The next segment will profile Ben Johnson. What about his offensive creativity interests you the most, and should his offensive creativity secure him a job? Are we still on the team Steve Wilkes forefront? It seems like he's losing steam as all of these candidates that are coming in are of the offensive ilk. Steve Wilkes, the only guy defensive minded so we'll see exactly what happens here as the Panthers decision making process does go on we'll transition to the basketball world where again we just passed the midway point for the Charlotte Hornets we know that we've talked a lot about them being sellers at the trade deadline I thought bringing back deal or no deal would be a fun game to try to figure out just uh, an emphatic entrance from Howie Mandel's theme music so let's get it started I'm going to pose some trades to both of you both of you guys are going to be involved I'm going to tell you who Charlotte receives, and I'm going to tell you who the opposition receives. And you tell me if that's a deal. You guys are going to be on the Charlotte Hornets forefront here. So you guys are both going to be Mitch Kupchak, Michael Jordan. You guys can figure out what role play you want to do, vice versa, however you want to do it. That's fine. But you're both serving as the Charlotte Hornets. So here's the first one. Bobby Marks on a recent Zach Lowe Post podcast posed this trade to Zach. He said, how about Charlotte receives James Wiseman and Moses Moody, And then you would send out P.J. Washington and Mason Plumley. So again, Charlotte receives James Wiseman and Moses Moody, a couple of young projects that not necessarily reclamation for Moses Moody, big time reclamation for James Wiseman. You would get those guys, and in return, Golden State would receive P.J. Washington in an expiring contract year, and Mason Plumley, the same thing. What would you do, Wes? Uh, I would not take this deal for one. Like I said, I don't want to crowd up. My center position with James Wiseman when I have uh, Mark Williams starting to play. (laughs) I have Mark Williams starting to play well. And uh, like I said, Moses Moody, he hasn't done much in this league. To me, if I'm not getting back any draft capital, I don't want it. Get it out of here. All right, Fiddy, what are you doing here? Yeah, no, I don't think I accept this either because now you have a front court that includes James Wiseman, Mark Williams, I guess if you make that trade, you're effectively going to quit on Kai Jones, JT Thor. And Nick Richards. And Nick Richards and the like. I, in, in the modern era, that, that trade doesn't make sense. 
The Mark Williams thing for me is I, I wouldn't mind having Wiseman and Mark Williams on the roster together. Kai Jones, I feel like there's enough versatility for him. But to me, I, I, I want a little something more if you're giving up. I mean, at least right now, the two best players in this trade. Now, it can't always work like that in a vacuum. Yes, they're the two best players. P.J. Washington showing more of a ceiling than any of these other guys you're getting back. But Moses Moody, I really like during the pre-draft process. I'd probably try to squeeze a little bit more out of Golden State. I I would not accept this deal, but I I do think it's pretty close. Let's go to one posed by the NBA Analysis Network. This one with your team, Fiddy, the New York Mm. Knicks. So here is the proposed deal. Charlotte receives Evan Fournier, a bad contract that the Knicks agreed to with him. Cam Reddish, Miles McBride, and a first-round top 10 protected pick from the Dallas Mavericks that the New York Knicks own. So, Evan Fournier, Cam Reddish, Miles McBride, and a first-round pick top 10 protected. And in exchange, you would get Gordon Hayward. So, if you're the Hornets, Wes, start with you. Deal or no deal? So, top 10 protected, that means... If the Knicks get a top 10 pick, it then it does better. not convey to the Charlotte Okay. Um, well, I don't think the Knicks are going to get a top 10 pick at this point. So I think that could be a risk worth taking. And like I said, you're not losing a whole lot. I think I would take that deal. I think uh, Mitch Kupchak or Michael Jordan in whatever role Fiddy is playing agrees with you. It seems like it's a good thing with the ownership and the general manager. It's aligned. You agree with this? If you're the Hornets, you're taking this deal? Oh, yeah. If I take off my Nick cap, if I were to have one and put on my Charlotte Hornets one, this is a really great deal. Evan Fournier is a great 3 and D type of guy. Yeah. Cam Reddish still has all the upside potential in the world. Deuce McBride is one of the best on-ball defenders that you would find to be his second, third year in the NBA. And you get rid of a, a, a bad contract and a guy that you can't rely on. So uh, if, if, if the Knicks were willing to give up this amount of much to get Gordon Hayward, I would say yes. Oh, yeah. Get, getting a first-round pick, I, I don't even – honestly, don't really care about anything else. Right. You, you give me the first-round pick. You get it top 10 protected. Okay. That's still back end of the lottery. And you can move first-round picks in order to sweeten the deal on something else. So yep. that really matters. The good thing here, too – the Knicks are getting rid of what was a bad contract for Evan Fournier. I just I don't value him as a player all that much, especially $18 million a year. But the good news is, in 2024 and 25, that's a team option. So you can move off of that contract season. So it's basically the same thing with Gordon, except he's making $10 million less. So Evan Fournier, not that big of a deal. Miles McBride, okay, throw him in. That's fine. We'll take him in a Charlotte Hornet uniform. And I've always loved Cam Reddish. I, I know a lot of people are starting to back off of him because he's been in the league for a little bit. It just hasn't happened for him. But that talent is very tantalizing. I would love to see if we could flip things around here in Charlotte. So, yeah, I absolutely would do that deal. All right, last one. This one with the Lakers. The Charlotte Hornets would receive Patrick Beverly, Kendrick Nunn, and the 2027 first-round pick. A ways away, but still valuable. No protection on it. A 2027 first-round pick. You'd get Patrick Beverly, Kendrick Nunn, 2027 first in exchange for Terry Rozier with a long contract ahead of him. Wes, deal or no deal? Yes, I'm taking that. Even though I'm getting two bums in return and Patrick Beverly and Kendrick Nunn, like I said, Patrick Beverly is one of the most <laughs> overrated players in the NBA. Can't shoot a lick. And in his defense, he gets cooked by the best of the best. Kendrick Nunn is always hurt. 
The Lakers aren't having a great season, so I should get a decent pick out of that. Uh, like I said, I give up Terry Rozier in the process. Yeah, I'm taking that deal. What are you doing, Fitty? I think I think I accept the trade only because I would know that this type of trade guarantees me more losses and a better chance at getting Victor Webinyama. And that needs to be the goal the second half of the season for the Hornets. Steve Clifford's going to talk about wanting to win games and how they can win games. They don't need to win. They need to lose. My biggest fear is if you keep the nucleus together, they will win too many games and maybe take themselves out of the running for a top three pick. I'd be so mad. So this is one that, yeah, you're getting nothing in return, and that's a good thing. Yeah, because you're going to cut Beverly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or buy him out. Because he's a locker room cancer. But but he's he's on an expiring contract, so it doesn't matter either way. Like, Mm. you'd keep him on the roster, and then you just move. Because you're not going to buy him out in a contract year. So you'll just keep him, and then free agency, see ya. And then you free up some payroll. Same thing with Kendrick Nunn, too, by the way. I mean, he's on a player option as it stands with the Lakers. And so he's got an expiring contract. And you're getting rid of the Terry uh, Rogier contract. Plus, this first-round pick doesn't help you anytime soon. But can you imagine how bad it could get for the Lakers in 2027? I mean, I know it's four years away. It's a long time. But that pick still holds a lot of value because it could go horribly wrong considering all of the money that the Lakers are trying to get off of. LeBron James in 2027, I don't even know if he's going to be playing for him next year, let alone how good he's going to be four mm-hmm. years from now. Where's Bronny going to be? That's where we That's where we know where LeBron will be. Yeah, that's exactly. Still in Cleveland. Yeah. In the G League. Going back. If that. <laughs> <laughs> Over in Spain. Maybe yeah. LeBron and Bronny can play for the Greensboro Swarm. I'd go down to Greensboro and Shanghai shake that Sharks. Team. All right, that'll do it. Yes, the Yao Ming special. Yes, that. What, what an excellent logo. I want to see a sweatshirt or a jersey from you, Fitty, from the Shanghai Sharks. That'll do it for deal or no deal. One more hour to go. Ben Johnson profile coming up next on Wesson Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 FM.